Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I'm excited about today. This is always a unique challenge. When you get to preach a message on Mother's Day, um, you're, you're trying to do two things. One, you're, of course, trying to encourage some moms, and they need encouragement, and they do a whole lot for us, and we want them to leave feeling encouraged and inspired. But then I, I certainly want every person that sits in this message to have something that God does in your life and speaks to you. And so uh, we're in this series that we're calling Colors. I'm really excited about this whole concept. Here's what we're doing over the next six weeks. We're taking a color every week, and we think these different shades can show us some cool things about God and our relationship with him. So I'm going to give you a quick plug. Next week is going to be such a helpful message. My dad, uh, Pastor Joe, who's the founding and lead pastor of Believer's Church, um, he's going to be doing a, a message, and it's called What to Do with the Blues. And so we're going to talk about some real things like anxiety and, and depression and just moments, navigating difficult moments in your life. And God in the Bible has a lot to say about that. So I want to invite you to do something. One, to come back, but two, to bring a friend. And I think there might be some people that this would really encourage them and they would leave here feeling like, wow, I have some helpful handles that are going to help me to walk through uh, what I'm facing as a challenge in my life. And so today, we're not just going to tackle one color. We are going to tackle the rainbow, and I'm pretty excited about this, so I'll explain what I mean in just a second here, but if you look at the rainbow and kind of the first mention of it, you can find it in the Bible in the very first book. It's Genesis uh, chapter, uh, I, chapter, I don't know the chapter, but it's in Genesis. It's somewhere in there. I'll tell you, it's Genesis chapter 9. Had to look. But it's the rainbow. No perfect people allowed here at Believer's Church, so, <laughs> but there's a, there's a guy named Noah. If you grew up in church, you know all about Noah. And remember, the Bible says that the earth was kind of a wicked place. And really, there was no one that they could find that was righteous. Noah and his family were the only people that were in right standing with God. And so God has to make this difficult decision. He says, I am going to destroy the earth with a flood. Noah said, what's a flood? He had never seen a flood before. He's like, well, I'm going to send a lot of rain. Noah said, what's rain? He said, well, that's like when a lot of water falls from the sky. And then he says, I'm going to have you build a boat. Noah said, what's a boat? Like all of this is new for him. And so Noah, in obedience to God, takes decades to build this boat for a thing that he's never heard of. And God is saying, you are going to be the person that needs to proclaim righteousness. And so Noah would tell people to repent for decades and decades, and no one listened. Finally, the earth is flooded for 40 days and 40 nights. And as the water began to recede, Noah has this interesting conversation with God. They're on the side of the mountain, and God says, never again will I destroy the earth with a flood. Now, I want you to look at the language that he uses in Genesis chapter 9, and here's what he says. This is interesting. Then God said, I'm giving you a sign of my covenant with you and with all living creatures for all generations to come, I have placed my rainbow in the clouds, and it is the sign of my covenant with you with all the earth. Now, we don't use this word a whole lot, do we? You don't hear covenant come up a ton in your everyday conversations, but I could tell you one place that we use it often is in weddings. And a covenant simply means a holy binding agreement. It's a little bit deeper than a contract. It's a little bit deeper than something you just write on paper. It's a holy binding agreement. Actually, if you could pray for me, because between now and the end of the year, I am officiating seven weddings. Five of them are for couples that are here at BC Boardman, which is such an honor and really exciting. 
And I can tell you this, one of the things I can promise you is that every wedding is going to be a little bit different. You know, the couple's style, their preference, their colors, whatever it might be, they'll all be a little bit different. They're all going to be beautiful in their own way. But one thing will happen in every one of these weddings. They will exchange a covenant before God. And the sign will be these rings. They'll exchange these rings. And we know how the vows go for better or for worse in sickness or in health. Until death do us part, so help me God. And so in other words, it's a covenant that is bound by heaven itself. And so this is what a covenant is. And here's what God is really doing. He's saying, hey, I'm giving you a sign, just like a wedding ring would be a sign that says, I belong to this person and I want all the world to know. God is saying, I'm giving you a sign and I want all the world to know that this rainbow is a reminder of my promises. And so this is interesting because I was thinking about people that know how to hold on to the promises of God. And I don't know about you, but in my life, there ain't nobody that holds on to a promise quite like a mom. Like there's just something about a mom that if they've heard God say something about their kids, nobody can talk them out of it. Nobody can take it away from them. Actually, I was thinking about Mary, and we're so used to reading this during Christmas time, but I thought I would dust this passage off today. And let's just look at it through the lens of promises. So this is Luke chapter two, verse 16. They, the shepherds, hurried to the village. They found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel said to them about this child, or in other words, God's promises about this child. This is interesting. Watch this. There's two things happening here. One, it says, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But two, it says, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. There's something about a mom that when they hear what God says about their kids, they know how to hold on to the promises of God. Actually, I was just thinking about this. You ever been in a conversation with a mom and five feet away, one of her kids has another kid in a headlock, you know, and, and then like 10 feet away from there, someone's burning a building down, you know, but like they are just locked in with you in the conversation. It's like a ninja skill. Like they don't even hear it anymore, you know, it's for their survival, right? But I love that it says that they were astonished when they heard these things that God said about the child. But who wasn't astonished? God. And there's, there's something beautiful about a mom. They know how to hold on to the promises of God. And uh, I'm convinced, I mean, like my mom, I'm 37 years old, and my mom still makes me blush. Like she just thinks I'm amazing, and I'm like, mom, stop it. You know, like you need to chill out with this. And, uh, but but it's like they just see you in a certain way. Like, I'm convinced Attila the Hun had a mom that's like, he's not that bad. You know what I mean? Like, pillaging, plundering, it's not that big of a deal. He's my baby, you know? I was actually, I, I thought if I could just share a funny story of my mom. This is completely unrelated to the message, but it's just a funny story. Um, my, my mom had this habit as a kid. We had this big minivan, you know, because there were four kids in my family. I'm the oldest of four and my mom was always, she, she gets low blood sugar real easy, so she's always snacking, you know? And um, she had this bag of grapes, I'll never forget it. We were going down North River Road in Halland. We're, we're on our way to church for something, and we pull up to the stoplight. It's kind of right by the Walgreens there on Elm Road and North River, if you've ever been there. And wouldn't you know it, we pull up next to my teacher. His name was Mr. Jewel. So I'm on the passenger side, we roll the window down, and wouldn't you know it, right at that exact moment as my mom's gonna say hi to Mr. Jewel, she starts to choke on her grapes. 
And so I start like looking like, what do I do? I've never given the Heimlich, I don't know. And then, then Mr. Jewel, he, he sees that we get the green light and we start going and he thinks he has the green light, but he doesn't. And he runs into the back of the person in front of us. You can't make this up. And so I'm like, ah, ah, and we just had to leave with my mom choking on a grape. To this day, Mr. Jewel might still be at that intersection. I have no clue, but this is the life that I live with my mom. And I love my mom, and she's amazing in so many ways. And one thing I love the most about her, and now I see it in my wife, is there, there is something about a mom where they, they know the potential of their child. They know what God has called them to, and they hold on to and contend for those promises. And Today, I just want to talk for a few minutes about how do we hold on to the promises of God. And if you're new to church or you're new to God or you haven't read the Bible a ton, can I just tell you something about God? God is a promise maker, but he's a promise keeper. Actually, when you look in the New Testament, there are 250 unique promises that God has for every person that has identified themselves as a follower of Jesus. And actually, there's 750 if you count repeats. So we call it the New Testament or the New Covenant. It's this new set of holy binding promises and sealed by the blood of Jesus. There are 250 things that belong to you as a believer. And here's the reality. You will never come to experience the fullness of your relationship with God until you learn to identify the promises. But secondly, and way more importantly, until you learn how to hold on to the promises of God. And I was asking God, how can I show Believer's Church what I'm talking about, and he gave me this picture. I'm holding here a receipt, and boiled down to its most basic use, a receipt is just a proof of purchase. It's a written statement of something that belongs to us based on the price that was paid for it. And I don't know about you, but like one of my favorite places to get a receipt is CVS. You know what I'm talking about? I actually have one right here, because like it just keeps going and going. It's like, how, much, how many trees have we killed to give me this one receipt today? But I love it because, you know, now you can get the digital receipt, but sometimes I'm like, nah, I want to see all the things that are coming to me. And you're like, wow, that belongs to me. And I got $14 in rewards points. And all of this is credited to my account. There's just something cool about that. And it's funny, a couple years ago, I was at the checkout line in CVS. I was doing the self-checkout, and I'm waiting for the never-ending CVS receipt to come out. And as I'm watching it come out, I hear God whisper to me. This is how God talks to me. I don't know how he talks to you, but I just heard him whisper, this is like my promises. They just keep going and going and going. And then I heard him say this. This was good. He said, the, the receipt is my word, and, and it's written on the pages of the Bible, and it's paid for by the blood of Jesus. And so every time you have something that comes into question, you can just go back into my word and my promises. They just keep going and going and going. Anybody thankful we serve a God who is not just a promise maker, but a promise keeper? Now, let's flesh this out a little bit more, give you a hypothetical. What if today you went to Sam's Club? And Sam's Club... You know, you got a few things you probably didn't need, but you talked yourself into it. And of course, we stopped by the sample place a few times and we're heading out and, and we've got this grocery cart that is stacked to the brim and we get to the exit and all of a sudden the employee says, hold it right there, sir, ma'am. Is that yours? Does that, are you sure that belongs to you? Now, listen, without you even thinking about it, what would you do? You would get this out and you would say, hold on, no, no, no. I got the proof of the purchase right here. All of that belongs to me, right? 
I, was, I paid the price for that. I know what belongs to me. And can I just remind you that we have an enemy, and he comes to steal and kill and destroy. And one of his primary objectives is to get you to not believe God's promises for your life. He wants to talk you out of what God is saying free and clear belongs to you. So maybe we could just flesh this out. Like, what would happen the next time the enemy comes along and says, hey, I don't think that belongs to you? Like, maybe he comes with the lie of loneliness and he just kind of whispers in your ear, even when you're in the middle of a crowded room, nobody likes you. You don't belong here. Well, you can, you can take that lie of loneliness and you could say, no, 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 I have a promise that I serve a God who sticks closer than a brother. And he's an ever-present help in a time of need. How about when I'm afraid? Oh, God, I'm fearful of all the things that are going on around me. Well, what's my promise? I can know that, that he hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. How about this? When, when things are tight and it feels like I don't have enough in the budget and it's this bill and that bill, well, I've, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. When I feel like there's shame for the things I've done in my past and the enemy tries to tell me that I'm defined by what I've done, then I can say, no, 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 I'm defined by the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. And there is therefore no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Is anybody excited about what the word of God says? And so when we know what belongs to us, no one can take it from us and no one can talk us out of it. And I don't know about you, but I got a few people in my life that when they give me their word, and I want to believe them so bad, but I just, do you have anybody you're like, I'm not so sure that's going to happen, you know? I'm 10% confident that you will come through. Thank God that he's not like that. Like, this is the God that we serve. Look at Numbers 23. God is not human that he should lie. He's not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? No, we can take him at his word. This is Isaiah 55. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve a purpose for which I sent it. Kind of reminds me of the story of Peter walking on the water. Remember, they're in this crazy storm. Just put yourself in their sandals, if you will, for just a second. There's this massive storm, and they don't know where Jesus is. And all of a sudden, they see this man walking on water. They think it's a ghost. Turns out it's Jesus. And he says, hey, come in for a swim. It's nice, you know. Join me. And they, they say what anybody would say. They say, Jesus, nah, I'm good. There's a storm. And Jesus says, no, you should come. And I want you to just look at what Peter says to his Savior. This is Matthew chapter 14, verse 28. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. That's interesting. Now, why do you think Peter said that? Well, I think because Peter, he knew he needed a promise to stand on. He couldn't just walk on the waves, but he could walk on God's words. And if his Savior said you could come, which he did, then he knew I can walk on water. I love what Rich Wilkerson says. He says, the water was liquid, but God's word is solid. And I don't know about you, but we live in a world that isn't exactly sturdy. It's not exactly stable. It's not dependable. We have relationships. They come and go. The stock market fluctuates. The economy is up one day and down another, but God never changes. And we can hitch on to those promises and re recognize and remind ourselves that God is always there. He's always working. And if we have a promise to stand on, then we can walk in the promises of God. So here's a big question that I go over with people all the time as we're growing in our faith. And it's a good question. 
How do I know what to pray for? And how do I know what belongs to me? How do I know when I'm hearing a yes from God or a no from God? How do I know when to keep praying and when not to pray? And I thought this would be helpful for you. I don't know if you guys have seen this movie, but a couple of months ago, I had a friend that told us about a yes day. And uh, then I discovered that there's a movie called Yes Day. And to just sum up the movie, if you haven't seen it, these are two parents. They're, they're, uh, they're used to saying no a lot. And if you're a parent, you know what I mean. Sometimes you have to say no. But they used to be kind of fun and adventurous. And then kids came into the picture and they had something to lose. And so maybe out of fear of like, their kids having harm come to them or whatever it might be, they started saying no a whole lot more than yes. And so they had this idea. We are gonna have a yes day. And a yes day is exactly what you think it is. Everything that our kids ask, we will say yes, no questions asked. So they had some stipulations you had to get good grades and you had to have a good attitude for so long, but they had this date circled on the calendar and finally they get to the day and the day starts with the youngest girl dressing her dad and he had to wear whatever she picked out, which was pretty awesome. Then I think they ate like five gallons of ice cream for breakfast together. They did like an ice cream challenge and they, they pull up to the car wash and they say, mom and dad, we're going to wash this car, but we're going to do it with our windows down, baby. And they had to say yes. And so it's a pretty interesting movie, but one of the things that you discover, this is funny, they, they had a couple of rules, and one of them was they said, hey, no one can get harmed in the process of this day, and it cannot break the law. And I just want to say this, this is helpful when you approach God in prayer. Like, like you can't pray, God, break the jawbone of my employer. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's Old Testament. You can't do that anymore. That's, Lord, send all the plagues of Egypt to my brother. You know, like, that's a no-go. You can't do that. But... But what you can do, I like to say it this way, if it's in his word, it's in his will. If his word says it, then we can pray it. This is what 2 Corinthians 1.20 says. It says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen or the so be it, let it happen, is spoken by us to the glory of God. The, another translation says, all of God's promises are yes and amen. In other words, it's a yes day. When we come to God and we're wondering, does God want to answer our prayer? Is this a promise I can stand on? Then all we have to do is we have to look in his word and we have to determine, is this in his will? This is why Jesus, when he taught us to pray, he said, you could pray this way. Pray for my kingdom to come and then pray for my will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? So if it's a yes in heaven, it's a yes on earth. If it's a no in heaven, it's a no on earth. This is helpful. So this is how we hang on to and hold on to the promises of God. Here's what I want to do just for the next couple of minutes. I'm going to give you three promises that you can stand on. And I'm going to speak these to every person in the room, but you're going to hear me directly speaking to mom. So I want you to remember these all apply to every single Christian, every single Christ follower. But today I'm going to say it to a mom. Here's promise number one. This is a big one. It's the promise of protection. Protection. There was a recent medical survey of new moms, and this is interesting. They found that the average mom spends over 1,400 hours worrying about their baby's health in the first year. It, understandable. And during that time, on average, a mom conducts 330 Google or internet searches about her baby's health. It sounded a little low to me. And related parenting matters. And 337 text calls on average asking someone about their baby's health. Now, you know what I've discovered about my mom, about my wife, and any other mom I know? They never grow out of that. Like, 
I, I know my grandma into her 80s, when she knew that my dad was riding a bike, she made him call and check in with her when he started his bike ride and at the end of his bike ride because a mama never stops caring about their kids. You want to see your kids be protected and safe. And we live in a world that's crazy, don't we? I mean, I, I don't wish it on anybody, but I mean, should you ever even have to think about some of the crazy things that could happen at your kid's school when you drop them off? But it's a very real thing. So what do we do in the face of that? Because one option is to put our kids in a bubble and we never let them go into the outside world or have any connection with anybody and we live a life of fear. I don't think that's God's best. But how about this? I, I like to hold on to promises like this in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 25. God says, for I will contend with him who contends with you. That's good. And I will save, defend, preserve, rescue, and deliver your children. I like that. For, for my kids, every morning, we kind of have this rhythm, this ritual, before they get off of, or out of the car to go into school, we pray over their day. And, and we almost pray the identical prayer every day. Sometimes we'll throw in, Lord, help them with this test and help them with this or that. But, but now they pray it over themselves, and it's almost like second nature. They just pray the promises of God over themselves. Can I just give you this as a challenge? This works for young kids. It works for old kids. It works for your spouse. It works for whoever you're praying for. But let's just, let's insert their name into the equation. God, I thank you that you contend with those who contend with me. I thank you that if any weapon comes against me, it will not prosper. And then I, I thank you that you will save, defend, preserve, rescue, and deliver Joey and Riley. Man, you, you want to talk about having the peace of God come over you? If you just declare that promise over yourself every day. I'll give you a quick story. My wife, when she was younger, uh, she used to get home before the rest of the family, and sometimes she would make herself a meal. She was pretty young. I think she was in her early teens at best. And she was frying something with hot oil, and somehow the, the flame jumped, and it got onto the curtain like in the kitchen, and it started expanding like crazy, and, and then it got, all this smoke was, was coming, and she passed out. Can you, can you imagine? She's home all alone. Fire is spreading. She passes out, and when she comes to, you wouldn't believe it, the fire is completely put out, completely gone. There's char marks all up and down the kitchen wall. Had no clue how it went out. Well, a little bit later that day when her mom gets home, her mom hears Aaron tell the story, and she starts to to cry. She's like, you, you, I know exactly what happened. Earlier this week, I had this burden, this desire to pray over every window in our house. And I just heard God say, pray that angels would be at every window. The Bible says he will give his angels charge over you, right? And, and so we can pray. That's a promise in the word of God. And so I can't tell you how many times we would be going through life and I'm just minding my own business and my mom would be like, did anything funny happen to you today? And I'm like, it's funny you should mention that. And she had already known in prayer something was going on. And listen, even if you don't know something's coming, we live in a crazy world, just cover them with prayer all day, every day. But it's good to know, it's good to remember that that's a promise we have, that he protects us. Here's promise number two. This is a good one. The second promise is that prodigals will come home. You know, there's nothing more gutting than to talk to a parent that raised their kids and trained them to follow God, and right now they want nothing to do with God. And I can't tell you how many times I've prayed with moms and dads, and they're just in this incredibly difficult position, 
But I love praying promises like this. Let me give you one that you can start praying. This is Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 16. This is a word for some moms in the house. You might want to have this one tattooed on your arm or something. Listen to this. Stop your crying. Wipe away your tears. All that you have done for your children will not go unrewarded. Time out. Can I just say that to you, mom? That God has seen every tear that you've cried. He's heard every prayer that you've prayed every diaper that you've changed, none of it goes unseen, none of it goes unnoticed. Even if sometimes us husbands miss a thing or two or other people don't appreciate you, can I just remind you that none of it is forgotten in God's eyes? And look what it says next. Here's his promise. They will return from the enemy's land. Their hope for your future, your children will come back home. I, the Lord, have spoken. In other words, I put my name on it. Signed God. What an incredible promise. And so we declare those over us. And you know what I've discovered? I've discovered that in my relationship with God, and even as a parent, and we're not perfect parents by any stretch, just ask our kids. But one thing I could tell you is when we do our part, God does his. Look look at this. This is an interesting psalm. It's Psalm 112, verse 1. Shout praises to the Lord. The Lord blesses everyone who worships him and gladly obeys his teaching. In other words, that's our part. When we can be committed to worshiping him and gladly obeying his teaching, we're doing our part. When we could say, God, you know what? Even if it's difficult and even if it's not common in our culture, we're just gonna be in your house no matter what. Most Sundays of the year, we're gonna be here just modeling what it looks like to worship you. When we go home, we're gonna look like when we we go to church. We're not gonna have some kind of a cognitive dissonance between what I say and what I do in my life. And God understands you're not perfect and God understands their seasons, but that's our part. But look at what God does on his part. Their descendants or their children will have great power in the land because the Lord blesses all who do right. That's God's part. Another translation says, your kids will be mighty in the land. The living Bible says, honored everywhere. You know what I'm convinced of? My parents weren't perfect but I'm convinced that I am reaping the benefits and the rewards of them doing their part in some cases 20 and 30 and 40 years ago. Just committed to serving God when it's easy, serving God when it's hard, doing the right thing when everybody's looking, doing the right thing when nobody's looking. And I'll tell you what, my mom was not perfect, but she was an amazing mom. And I didn't walk in on her gossiping and doing things she shouldn't be doing. You know what my number one memory of my mom is? Like the whole 90s is just perms and fanny packs and Darlene check praise and worship. Like that's my whole, that's my whole childhood. Moms, it's getting in there just one little day at a time. You might not even think they're listening to you, but they're not just listening to you, they're watching you. Dads, they're watching you. And when you model what it looks like to be somebody who follows Jesus and do your part, you won't be perfect. And that'll actually model the grace of God anyways. So you just keep doing it one step at a time. But it's a promise you can hold on to that prodigals will come home. Here's the third and final promise. And remember, there's 250. So uh, we'll we'll go over them next week, the rest of them. Kidding. (laughs) Nobody's here next week. Promise number three, your whole house will be saved. This is good. Your whole house will be saved. And I want to address this because there are a lot of people in this position. It's one thing when you train up your child in the way they should go and they do not depart from it when they get older. That's a promise we can hold on to. But what if you met Jesus later in life? Did you know that 77% of people who surrender their life to Jesus, get this, they do it before the age of 18? 
Um, 95% do it before the age of 30. So if you surrendered your life to Jesus at any point after 30, you're like in the 5%. You're, you're a walking, breathing miracle. It's just not common. And so, but there are a lot of people at BC that fall into this category. And you might be thinking like, well, what, what happens with me? I didn't teach my kids how to follow God. I didn't even know how. And this is such a great promise. This is what I want to encourage you with. Your whole house will be saved. This comes from Paul and Silas. Remember at the very beginning of the worship time today, we sang praise opens prison doors. And that comes from the story of Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. And just a very quick recap, they're preaching the gospel and people don't like it. And they throw them into prison. They're in this gloomy dungeon. When you start to look historically at what these dungeons were like, they are not like prisons today. It was an awful place. There was sewage running through the prison. There were rats in there nipping at their legs. They were in shackles. They were uncomfortable. They couldn't go to the bathroom. They were sitting in their own filth. And instead of complaining, Paul and Silas decide to praise God for his promises even while they're in the process, even while they're waiting, even while they're in chains. And guess what happens? Praise opens the prison doors. Let's pick up in chapter 16, verse 29. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and he asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Because he was there when they were shackled and he heard them instead of complaining, he heard them worshiping and encouraging each other and praising this God that they believe in. And he probably thought to himself, they're crazy. But then when angels showed up and broke them free and prison break happened, right? Like there was something in him that said, I'll have what they're having, you know? Look at what goes on to say, Acts 16, 31. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. What does it say next? Along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with them and with all who lived in his household. And I want you to hear this. This is the same promise that God makes to you. My dad was the first person in his family to accept Jesus. And within a very short amount of time, most of his family accepted Jesus. But my, my mom was a little bit different. Almost all of her grandparents lived into their late 80s and a couple close to 100 years old. And for most of them, they were tough nuts to crack. And they would tell them about Jesus for decades after decade after decade, and nothing would change. And it's crazy. They just kept praying that promise. Lord, I just stand on that promise that my whole house will believe, that my whole house will come to know Jesus. And wouldn't you know it, one of them was Grandpa Mike. Grandpa Mike was a really tough guy. He, he was a boxer and really Italian guy and just very, very uh, traditional religious but never went to church and, and uh, thought my parents were like going to hell for what they were doing in this, in this cult that they were in. And they were just telling him about Jesus. But guess what? Right towards the end of his life, somebody that they didn't even know started telling him about this Jesus that had changed their life. And Grandpa Mike started to change from the inside out. And before he went home to be with God, he would read his Bible every day. Unthinkable, unheard of, but God can do it because it's a promise. And so I just want you to begin to think about who are the people in your life that you think there ain't no way that they are coming into the kingdom of God and, and pray those promises over them even when it doesn't look like they're changing. We're, we're getting ready to draw to a close here. And um, I want to do something today. We did it in the first service, and it was so beautiful. Um, we saved one song for the end. And we're going to just have a special time where we pray a prayer of blessing over families and over moms, whoever would like it. Before we do that, I just felt 
kind of impressed to remind us of the power of prayer. And so I, I was talking to my wife about this earlier in the week, and she knew I was talking about uh, rainbows, and she said, yeah, I think some people have somewhere over the rainbow faith. And she said, here's what I mean. Like, I think they kind of get it in their mind because they've had so many prayer failures and they've lifted so many prayers up to God and they've never seen anything change. They just kind of have convinced themselves that, yeah, maybe God will answer my prayers someday, somewhere over the rainbow. Maybe when I get to heaven, then I'll see kind of all the promises. And and I want to say this, there are some promises like that. Hebrews talks about that. But I think if we're not careful, we can stop using faith altogether. I think some of us need to taste the rainbow. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And so sometimes it's even just saying, you know what, I've experienced, I've tasted the goodness of God in my marriage. I've tasted the goodness of God with my kids. And if he did it for me, he can do it for you. Just have a taste. And so I'm going to invite the band to begin to come up here. And I think uh, they're going to play behind us. And I want to just encourage you with a couple of thoughts here about prayer. This is James chapter 5, verse 16. Listen to this. This is the power of prayer. The earnest, heartfelt, continued, there's an important word. We pray when we see a change and we pray when we don't. We pray when it materializes and we pray while we're waiting. But the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Same word we get dynamite from. Like, it's powerful. Dynamite rearranges things. You know what I mean? Dynamite breaks through some hard exteriors. This is what prayer does. Can I read it one more time just to the moms? The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous mom makes tremendous power available, dynamic, and it's working. And so maybe you're a mom and you're like, Joe, I don't know. I just... If you had any idea how many countless prayers I've lifted up to God. Sometimes I just stare at the ceiling at night and I just pray for change and I never see it. Here's the challenge I want to give to you today. It's one thing to know that there's rainbows out there, but it's a whole other thing entirely to reach for them. And I think what God is calling us to do at Believer's Church and his followers of Jesus is to reach for rainbows to hold on to the promises of God, to remember what it says on the receipt of his word. And even when the enemy tries to attack and even when the enemy tries to talk me out of it, I just say, no, this is what belongs to me. I'm a child of God. These promises don't belong to me because I'm perfect or because of performance or how long I've served God. These are promises that were bought free and clear and paid for with the highest price, the blood of Jesus Christ. This is the final scripture I'm going to read to you. It's Acts chapter 10. Can I encourage you with this thought? This is interesting. Cornelius stared at him. It's an angel in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. And the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Wow, that's interesting. So what does this scripture mean? I mean, theologians have debated it. You can read all kinds of commentaries if you ever want to, but here's one thing we can gather that it means. I don't know how God does it. I don't know exactly what it looks like, but somewhere up in the throne room of heaven before God, day and night are your prayers. Even offerings, the moments where I gave, even when I didn't feel like I had enough and I gave out of need, God saw it. He sees it all every prayer. And and this is just a challenge. When I thought about that, I just, I started thinking, man, 
I need to start populating heaven with a few more prayers. Like, if that really is true. And what it means is a memorial is a reminder. So it's like God in all of his bigness and all of his goodness, he has the ability to hear and see these all at once. And he's just in heaven and he's just walking by and he sees that memorial and he says, that's the prayer that Mana prayed. That, that's the prayer that Ashley prayed. That's the prayer that your mom prayed, your dad prayed. That's the prayer. I saw it. And I don't forget it. And I always say this when I preach on prayer because I think it's helpful. Sometimes you have no clue if God might have already answered your prayer and you just haven't caught up to the answer yet. Remember, God stands outside of time. When I think of a timeline, I always think of like Netflix. You know how you can see the timeline on the bottom of the movie? And, and if I'm the person that's looking from the outside in, I can know that I answered a prayer on this part of the timeline and they live in this part of the timeline and they haven't caught up with it yet. And so just a theological idea for you to maybe wrestle with a little bit. And sometimes it's a no. Sometimes it's a not right now. My, my son would love a Lamborghini, I'm sure, you know, but he doesn't have a license yet. So a yes right now could actually be more of a harm than it could be a help. So sometimes, sometimes it's just God saying, hey, just hold on. I have the whole picture. I see the whole story. You know who never worries about what's going to happen at the end of the movie? The writer. Why? Because they wrote the story. They know the beginning from the end. God is the beginning from the end. This is what Billy Graham says. He says, heaven is full of answers to prayer for which no one ever bothered to ask. I'm going to invite you to just bow your heads and close your eyes. Just a moment, we're gonna have a final moment of worship and prayer. We had three songs on the front so we could just make a little bit of time for this. We're gonna sing a song I love called The Blessing and it's just a prayer of blessing over you and your family. But before we do that, I, I would be remiss if I went through this whole service and I didn't invite you to do one thing. One of the first promises you're guaranteed as a child of God is to spend eternity with him in a place called heaven. You're rescued from an eternity separated from him in a place called hell, both very real places. And it was never God's intention for you to spend one second in hell. It was created actually for the fallen angels and Satan himself when they thought themselves to be higher than God and led a resistance against God. The Bible says that God's not willing for any of us to perish. And so here's the question. It's, I just, you have to wade through this in America. So easy in America for religion and Christianity to be cultural. So here's what I'm not asking. I'm not asking, have you had your baptism, your first communion? I'm not asking you to become a member of Believer's Church. I'm not asking you to your good works outweigh your bad. Here's what I'm asking. Do you remember a moment in your life where you said, Jesus, I don't just acknowledge you as God. I call you Lord of my life. You're sitting in the driver's seat now. You're calling the shots. And I won't be perfect, and I certainly won't have it all together, but every day I'm going to try to look more like Jesus, one step at a time. And Jesus made it so clear in a world that tries to tell us that there's all kinds of different ways to God in heaven. Jesus said, uh-uh, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the gate. I'm the door. And so if you could, just with heads bowed and eyes closed for one moment, there are so many in here that have prayed this prayer, but I want to talk to two categories of people. One, if you can't remember ever praying that prayer. It's as simple as just giving God permission to enter your life and saying, God, take control. I, 
apart from you, my life is a wreck. But then here's the cool thing. If you've walked away from God, I don't believe you've lost your salvation, but you might need to come back to him. And today, what a beautiful time to do it. And so if you fall into either of those two categories, can, with heads bowed and eyes closed, can you pray this with me? And church, can you help us pray along? Say, dear God, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and what he's purchased for me on the cross. Thank you that he took my place, stood in the gap, hung on the cross, and took my punishment so I could have eternal life. I repent, I turn away from my sin, and I thank you that I can come before you as a son, as a daughter of the Most High God. I am a Christian, in Jesus' name. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.